Good evening, everyone. My name is Amalika, and you are listening to another episode of the Hope Podcast by Stories of Home. And today I have as guest on our podcast this story really inspires my own heart and um i i don't know if it, it's just something about um auntie bitabo or mrs gogo mrs bitabo gogo she's going to call her name fairly shortly but there's just something about her that that really connected with my own heart once i watched videos of her once i listened to her talk um i watched her ted talk um not too long ago and and I, I was was just so inspired so moved apart so so moved for what she represents moved for what she become moved for the seasons of her life and i am so grateful that she has she she has made of herself a gift to to all of us to all of us in terms of those she is working for those she represents those whose voice she really is um, and those of us who are learning of her and getting ourselves inspired also by just hearing of her or knowing of her in one way or the other i'm so grateful for that and grateful also that she has on the podcast with us today um and also really grateful for her patience because today's podcast um was not quite easy to start because of internet troubles but she shifted all the way through has been so patient and so gracious and so kind and i am grateful for this thank you aunt abitaba it's so good to have you here can you hear it's me it's a privilege to be here oh thank you thank yes you. absolutely i can hear you ah uh, thank you thank you so much i'm going to read a little bio of um Aunt Bataba Gogo. So Bataba Gogo is the executive director and chief servant of Keeping It Real Foundation. KIR Foundation is a stability inclusive organization that hold that gives books such as youth with and without disabilities and market rele- market relevant skills such as digital soft and vocational she is an educational education enthusiast ability inclusion advocate a patriotic nigerian who is passionate about young people pursuing purpose driven lives betebo is a quintessential encourager who connects people to opportunities by helping them to become more uh it is such a joy and such a honor such an honor to have you here on Tibetable welcome to our podcast and thank you for everything that you are thank you so much thank you everything i am is absolutely by the grace of god Indeed, indeed, I agree with you. Um, hopefully, hopefully, as we begin to talk, um, people will see the parts of you, the part of you that is full of faith, the part of you that is centered in God, the part of you that is centered in making sure you give of yourself fully and truly to just making people have better lives. So, um, today, Auntie Bataba's story is uh, we we are going to come into her story, into her life, and her experiences through um three phases so the first one is 
we're going to talk about things like um, Antibitaba's early years. Antibitaba married quite early. She married at 26. Um, um, so, and and she, she has experienced so much in life that I, I sense would inspire and encourage people in different ways. It just make people feel a sense of shared experiences, shared paths shed 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 journeys with her so we're going to talk about marriage we're going to talk about waiting for a baby we're going to talk about um about the time a very major event in her life that happened in 2010 and and then we're going to talk about the season after that so we can talk about her life in three ways the season of waiting and then the gift of 2010 and then the season after which i i i feel is called the season of impact and purpose so auntie do you want to do you want to just take us through your early life when you got married everything that was there at that time so many years ago okay i got married 25 and 26 years ago we actually turned 26 on the 29th of march this year and of course I, I got married as a virgin at the age of 26. Um, uh, prior to that time, I had given my life to Christ at the age of 11 after being exposed to pornography, um, lesbianism, drinking, smoking, you know, at um, about nine. It wasn't engineered by adults. It was just young, my contemporaries at that time whose parents had well back then you know they used to call them blue movies so they had access to those movies and you know um, when the parents would go to work would gather together and watch them and of course you know when you watch those movies anything whether it's positive or negative will find expression so that was basically what happened and at the age of um, 11, it was about the time that my best friend, who used to be involved in, you know, lesbian acts with me, she got born again through her cousin. And then she told her cousin all that we had been up to. And the cousin called me, you know, and tried to talk to me once or twice, but I refused to listen to her. And my mom died when I was about two months old. And I was juggled between my two grandmothers and my aunties. And then when my father eventually finished from university, he studied law and he came back. By the time we moved in with him, my siblings and I, he was already married. He was married to a wonderful woman. But unfortunately, I was five when we moved in. Unfortunately, she left when I was eight because she didn't have children of her own and she started, you know, going to different places looking for a child. And at the end of the day, she fell into the wrong hands and ended up married to one of the charlatan um, prayer house men that she went to for prayers, you know. Oh. So that was the second... I wouldn't say it was a second, but it was a very traumatic experience. So, of course, when she left, dad was a single parent. He had to go to work and he wasn't there. And then 
myself, my sister, my brothers were older, so I mean, maybe it didn't affect them as much as it affected us. So, but we were looking for acceptance and love in the wrong places. So we got involved with these rich kids in the neighborhood. Well, to cut a long story short, I got born again at the age of 11, primarily because the nines that Auntie Obia, who became like a surrogate mother or a foster mother to me, preached to me. I was still struggling with it, but I heard clearly a voice, which I later identified as the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, but if you do not give your life to Christ now, when you eventually do, it will be with a lot of tears, sorrow, and pain. And so I gave my life to Christ at 11, not fully understanding the implication, but the experience I had that night was totally, totally, totally unparalleled. It was almost as if I was on cloud nine, and it was, it was a beautiful experience. And so that be- began my journey. Unfortunately, my best friend, that's her cousin, Antiopia's cousin. She backslid and then she was raped by a cousin who was living with them at the age of 14, you know, and she had, she, she became pregnant and she had a baby. So on the day that I went to see her, I was really, really traumatized to say the least. I couldn't believe that somebody this young could have a baby. And of course, with all the peer pressure and everything, not fully understanding what it meant to be born again, I'd been thinking, oh, it's just too much trouble trying to be a good girl. You know, it's just too much trouble trying to be a good girl, you know. And I I had contemplated, you know, backsliding. But when I saw her and I, it was just like, somebody was showing me my future and before then my 13 year old cousin too had become pregnant my 15 year old cousin too had become pregnant you know so it was like you know i was seeing my future what i could possibly become a teenage unwed mother you know and that day we lived in a block of flats in old GRE then, when I was about to go upstairs, I had this strong burden on me. So I sat down at the foot of the stairs and I said, God, you know, I'm a motherless girl. I've been looking for love in the wrong places. You brought me into face. I don't want to backslide, but I'm finding it so hard to be a Christian because I was being bullied. I'm finding it so hard to be a Christian if you keep me as a virgin until I get married at the age of 26, and until I get married, mm-hmm. I would serve you for the rest of my life, you know. And I only, to be honest with you, I wasn't Miss Goody Two Shoes because there were times when, you know, all my friends were dating. And back then, it used to be the SU days. And so the so-called Christian, that's okay. Why do good girls like bad boys you know so somehow sometimes you know you just find yourself being attracted to some people that you're not supposed to not that I really dated them but there were times that I found myself in circumstances that I must confess that my angels really worked over time to keep me on the right path you know 
So, anyways, mm-hmm. um, eventually, at the age of um, 20, when I was in law school, a friend of mine told me about this guy who shared the same birthday with me. Oh. Well, that was how I got to meet Mr. Gogo, my husband. Oh. Oh, you know, different. and he came down the stairs and he said, "Oh, hello! I hear, oh. <laughs> I hear you shared the same birthday with me." I said, "Yes, I do." You know, so at that time I was in law school. He was working as an engineer um, with Speedbus. It's it's oh, no right. longer in existence. It's a different company now. Right. So I said, "Yes, I I do share the same birthday with you." And he just took me under his wings like his little sister. But I liked him. It was a lot of fun. But he wasn't born again. He wasn't a born again Christian. So I finished law school, got a job in in Delta States in Chevron. And, you know, somehow, okay, so my dad had met him when he came to visit me when I was in law school. Because he drove me down to go and see my dad. And, and my dad called me aside and he said to me, he said, well, who is this guy? I said, he's just a friend. He said, really? Just a friend? What does he do? I told him and he said, you must be kidding me. <laughs> so I said, well, dad, my dad wasn't born again. So I said, he's not born again, you know. So the idea of even, you know, getting married or anything is out of it. So, but my dad likes him. And I was oh. like, I like the guy. I asked him, you do you want to marry him? <laughs> and he was like, you must be crazy. Wow. Um, so when I got back home in December, my dad was all excited. I was like, it was like, oh, remember that guy, Gogo, that you said that you, you, you you're just friends with? He came by with some lady. He came to see you. I said, really? So wow. I called him up and I said, oh, his name is Kelvin. I said, Kelvin, what's going on? He said, okay, that he's, he, because he had dated someone for like 10 years wow. and she had cancer. And he said that his um, ex-girlfriend, she came back from America and she was an ekist. So he wanted her to meet with me because he loved my faith in Christ and he wanted me to speak with her because he felt that, you know, I had something that she didn't have. But unfortunately I wasn't around and she 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 passed on, you know. So after that, I think her death really shook him and he started looking for um, faith. And he gave his life to Christ. And then about a year later, we got married in 1997. Of course, getting married, decided on our own, we're going to wait for one year, get to know each other better before we start having having children. Unfortunately, a year later, nothing happened. But... We weren't worried. We felt we still had time. And then my husband got a job and we moved to Bonnie Island. Mm-hmm. When we got to the island, I went for my general medical, yearly medical examination. And the doctor, a very nice guy, he called me, the general practitioner, and he said, 
you say, well, what's going on? You guys are young people. How come you haven't started a family? So I told him, I said, well, we, we decided to wait for a year. But he said, I mean, this is like two years after your marriage. What's going on? So I, I told him that, well, we've been trying. He asked me if I was on any contraceptives. I said, no. He said, then it's not, it's not usual, you know. So we had some tests done. And um, at that time, I found out that my husband had some issues, you know. So they started working on my husband. And then when we were about to do IVF, um, they found out that I had fibroids. Oh. So I was supposed to go and do fibro surgery. So I decided that I was going to go to the UK. When I got to the UK, they told me that I had not just fibroids, I had um, endometriosis, which was like a double, a double whammy, you know. So eventually, I, w- I was referred to Professor Giwa Osage who oh. was the pioneer doctor for IVF in Nigeria. So prior to that time, in 2006, yes, 2006, I decided, this was like um, almost 10 years. That was the ninth year, I think it was 2007, yeah, 2007 our 10th anniversary i decided to go on a fast okay and i started a fast and the first day of the fast the fast was basically like to know what god's mind was concerning our having children because we we had we had prayed we had fasted our pastors had prayed for us but one one thing we both decided was we're not going to go around you know, I, I remember back then some people would come and they say, oh, there's somebody here. You yeah. should come. He'll that pray for you. I said, no. We both agreed that, yes, we both agreed that our pastors would be the ones to pray for us if we had any issues. And I recognized my husband as the head of the family. So okay. about that time, I decided that you know what i need to find out from god what exactly is going on because this is going to be 10 years and yeah. nothing had happened so the first day of the fast all i heard was set up a support group hmm. for people who are waiting to have children and i was like what I'm waiting to have a child. Do you want me to set up, you know, a support group for people who are waiting to have children? And the scripture that I got was in in uh, Luke chapter Luke chapter two, where you know um, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Because I was asking God a lot of questions like. Why can't I have children? Is it because I committed a sin? Is it because, you know, my husband did something wrong? You know, so it was just a period of questioning. And he took me to that place where, you know, the Bible says that Zachariah and Elizabeth 
were blameless. They were devout people. You know, they didn't do anything wrong, but they didn't have children. And then, you know, God sent Angel Gabriel to visit, you know, Zachariah. And Elizabeth eventually got pregnant. And, you know, she was surprised because um, when the angel appeared to Gabriel, he Mm -hmm. could not believe what the angel said. To Zachariah. it's it's the same way that when God comes through, yes, when God comes through, it's like um, Elizabeth said, anybody that hears about what has happened would laugh. I think she, she made a comment, you know, like that, you know, like everybody would be surprised. Yes, indeed. Everybody yes. would be surprised that she got pregnant at that age, you know. So what... Yeah, you started the support group, and this was in. Can you hear me? Yeah, this was in two thousand and seven, the tenth year anniversary after you got. This was in two thousand and six. Two thousand and six. Yes. 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 So I started this. Yes, seven, two thousand and seven. So I started the support group, and the support group. I just summarize it so we don't go on for too long. I started the support group and the support group basically it wasn't about really necessarily praying for people to have children it was making people realize that no matter what season of your life you find yourself in your life is to bring glory to god which is basically what it was really all about that don't spend that time don't spend that time that no matter what season of your life you find yourself in, whether yeah. it's waiting for a child, waiting to get married, waiting to get a job, whatever season, your life is supposed to be a life of purpose. Mm. That is so Did you get that? That's so beautiful. Yes. So, so Romans 8.28 was the anchor scripture. All things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are the called according to God's purpose. So whether you have a child, whether you 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 don't have a job, whether you're single, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, all things, that situation, if it's handed over to God, it's going to work together for your good. You know. So the whole idea was to provide support, like if people were going for uh, the medical test. There's, there's supposed to be somebody from the support group who will go with them, follow up. You know, if somebody is going through any kind of crisis in in the in the marriage as a result of that, they have somebody that they can talk to without any, you know, any shame, any condemnation. If they want to adopt, there's somebody to encourage them. If they want to, if they want to do IVF, if they want to, uh, if they go through a miscarriage, if they want to do a surgery, whatever it is, there's somebody that they can speak to. Uh, yeah, so is- part of what ha- happened with Elizabeth's surprise is that no, number one, yeah, go ahead. No, please can't. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that that is so good that you created. You created in the group a system for people to know they were not yes, alone. So, so we also, yes. So it because it can be a very lonely journey, you yes. know. 
a roller coaster emotional ride a roller coaster emotional ride and at the same time it can be certain a lot of times in our society you find out that people don't know the extent of the impacts of infertility on couples especially on the woman because sometimes even when it's both couple, uh, both parties that have the issues a lot of times it's only the woman who is the focus and mm. sometimes when it's the man that has the problem the woman is still the focus and of course if she's the one with the problem even when the man is a christian man you find out that he, the person is under so much pressure you know so we just wanted to be there for people to have people to talk to make them also realize that medical science is also God's answer to prayers you know so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have um a biological normal biological uh, um process to get pregnant you could do IVF you could do IUI you know and all of that so just educating people we had a newsletter and then at some point we also had like a medical you know um conference sort of a seminar and and invited doctor professor giwa and he came down and a lot of people came for medical help and we also engaged with my husband's company because at that time IVF in the company was seen as a cosmetic, you know, alternative and we had to make them realize that look, just like you you support other people with HIV, with 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 cancer, with other sicknesses, that's the way you should treat infertility. And so if if you say you're a caring company, if your staff have any issues with infertility, you're supposed to come alongside them and help them, you know. they also decided to give uh, maternity leave to those that are adopts and you know also give paternity leave it's wonderful this is so good um i, I appreciate the, the journey so far the, the 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 transition moments for you the the place of just looking inward re, re, redirecting everything back to god and getting new ideas new pathways new directions from him you know and i sense that the that, that the support mm. group important for all of the women and their families who were part of it because just like we said earlier these are very tough and critical moments for people the space of not of, of the space of waiting so it is just wonderful to know that um through mm-hmm. the group many of those women knew that they were not in the that they had people who were who were there with mm-hmm. them because dude or because they could relate or because they really had come to just value the place of supporting so i i appreciate this i i i want to ask aunt bitava it's um it appears that all through the way your husband was all became partners in the journey just like you said you know the 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 crisis begins to a way in which you could blame the woman or if it's the man the woman could blame the man you know in the marriage you know they, they begin to exchange blame games mm-hmm. but how did all of these affect the dynamics between you yeah. and your well actually it it brought us closer together because the, the truth of the matter is that um 
you realize that there's certain things that are beyond your control and it's it's only God that can help you because both of us are believers in Christ and we both decided from the very beginning that we're going to put our trust in God. I give you an example. The first time we wanted to do IVF, you know, we'd saved up the money and all that. And as a praying, we had administration in our hearts that we should sow the money into the lives of some missionaries that we were supporting in northern Nigeria. And so wow. we sent all that money to them, you know. Oh, so and we we realized that we didn't we didn't get married because, you know, we wanted to have children. We got married because of the fact that, you know, we love each other, we want companionship. Children are just a part of that equation. They are not the main focus of the relationship. God, Auntie Bitebo, that is so beautiful. That is so powerful what you said. That that is something. And I appreciate the fact that both of you, that eventually Mr. Gogo became a born again just like you, became a believer like you. And so that that both of you began mm. to share through the journey from the same spirits. And that, that that is just amazing. I mean, this... this I, I didn't get married to him until... I didn't get married to him until he got born again. So I always emphasize this and I always tell people, don't don't say, oh, Auntie Bitebo did this because when she met her husband, he wasn't born again and then he got born again and they got married. Everybody's story is unique to them. And the truth is that there's some people who have gotten into relationships hoping that that person would get born again. I told yeah. my husband, I would not date you or get married to you, except you give your life to Christ. So yeah. some people, they go ahead and pretend that they're born again. And if you're a child of God, you know within you, because that's not the first time I've met somebody, you know within you when somebody is lying that they're born again and they're not. I remember before I met my husband, there was this guy that I met, and he pretended that, that he was born again. Of course, I knew he wasn't born again. But sometimes in the desperation to get married, people would believe anything. Even when the Holy Spirit tells them otherwise, they would believe anything. I just want to state categorically here that no yeah. man is what you're going to hell. And if you marry somebody who is not a believer, your father-in-law becomes your spiritual father-in-law becomes the devil and it becomes more difficult for you to live out your christian faith yes indeed yes indeed i i agree with you i mean because we 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 want to be sure that we we are in the same kind of space with the person that we eventually share the journey with because in for example we can tell that it was this this commonness of faith, commonness of spiritual stance that, that aided your your um, your sense of harmony in dealing with with what your journey to that together came with. So this is something to keep in heart. And if I could just ask General, on the one hand is what you share with your husband, but then I, I, I'm curious about the people around you. So your your, the, the community in which you were, your husband's family, did all of these 
um, spaces come with their own kinds of trouble, challenge, pressure on you. And in the period of waiting, how did you how did you keep them? How did you deal with them? Okay, so uh, I'd say that well, my dad is late now, and um, a couple of times when I've mentioned it, it's 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 not a pleasant thing. But my dad applied a lot of pressure on me, and I don't want to go into the details because he was he was my first love, but he didn't handle it well. You know, so there was there was a lot of pressure to the point that at the point I stopped talking to him, you know, because the, the pressure was so much. And it hurts me not to be able to speak with him because in trying to make him understand, because a lot of times parents want to be grandparents. And yes. what they don't realize is that you can't want the child, the grandchild, more than your child wants to have a child. You know, yeah. just like in, in common parlance in Nigeria, they will say you can't take Panadol for another person's headache, okay. you know. But he was beginning to make it look like, you know, he was more concerned about mm-hmm. me having a child than himself. And one of those days, he just told me that a woman who doesn't have a child is hopeless. Oh, you know, God. and that cuts really, really deep cut very deep so for some time you know I kept away from him but my husband spoke to me and he said look people can't give what they don't have it's the only parents you have you just have to go back and I'm happy I did because within the period that um, I disconnected from my dad he, he became ill and eventually had cancer you know and I was with him all through that period and he gave his life to Christ before he died you know so so that's one of those challenges and of course um, challenges from other people nosy people I'm a very blunt and straightforward person and people will come to me are you more concerned about me having a child than yourself you can't, you can't, you can't even begin to understand my journey, you know. So there's some people who were concerned. There's some people who came, you know, just to taunt or to gossip. And I always made them realize that first and foremost, I got married as a virgin, so you're not better than me. I'm not going through this because I did anything wrong. It's a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to Christians. It is yeah. not you that determines whether God should give me a child or not. But I think part of what has really, really hurt in the course of the journey is when you hear even people who are supposed to be mature in the faith tell you that you don't have enough faith. And I had to decide for myself what faith means to me. And I realized, me, being born again from the age of 11, it has been an experiential journey for me. It hasn't been a religion. It has been a relationship. And mm-hmm. because I have a relationship with God, I know that faith is trusting God in spite of, despite your circumstances and situation. Mm-hmm. Knowing that God is still who he is, my yeah. circumstances does not change who God is. Yeah. Knowing that he's able to do what I'm asking him to do. 
And if it doesn't happen, it is not because I do not have this fantastic faith to move his hand. If he could give me his son, Jesus Christ, the Bible says he will be him. Give me all things. That same Romans 8. Yes, I've read it over and over again, over and over again. I've, I've read the book of Job. And sometimes what I tell people, especially young people, when they're going through some challenges, I said, maybe you're going through this because God is bragging about you. Mm. And I don't want Satan to ever glory. I've never sat down one day, and I kid you not, Johnny, I've never sat down one day to cry, oh God, why me? Why don't I have a baby and all that? You know? So I've just believed that he has my best interest at heart. It's, he says that his plans for me are all plans of good and not of evil. Yes, I've questioned him, you know, why has this happened? But to sit down, you know, there, there's some people that I meet, whenever their period comes at the end of the month, you see them wailing, they're depressed, they don't talk to anybody, they hide away, they don't talk to their husbands, they become a recluse, you know. I never did any of that and have not done any of that, you know. Because I just believe that God did not create me to have to just have children. That's not my purpose in life. My purpose in life, I was created to please Him, to yes, glorify sir. Him. So whether I have children or I don't have children, I'm supposed to glorify and please Him. Yes. No, this is so good, Auntie Bitebo. I mean, um, there are different yeah, different things that life brings to them. You know, for some people, it is really deeply their hope to carry their own babies. You know, but just like you are saying, you, you see that you, you, you know your own relationship with God. And just knowing that God has your back, God is fully present with you. And it is possible to think of purpose, think of your, 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 se- your sense of self within the way God sees you and within an understanding of how deeply God loves you it is it is it is um it is a very powerful reminder and powerful way to look at this um I am grateful for the the kind of faith the kind of relationship the kind of strength that God has given you over the years and I, I want to ask you a question I know that you once said that and this is where we come to to the gift of 2010 and the season of impact and purpose afterwards. I mean, just before we started the recording, you had told me about your foster son, you know, who's already earning, you know, who began to, I mean, just beautiful things. And I, I, I have a sense and I have a sense of, 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 um, of you being seen as mother figure, as guardian figure for many kids in different places. So I, I want us to just, this part of your life where you know you, you saw that it was it was for you was not to be it was not necessarily motherhood but just loving God and and understanding yourself through the way he was calling you to serve or to become let us talk about the gift of 2010 I know that you said 2010 was um, a turning point for you 